0: We're back with a guest this week and some slamming news out of the Frontier League. You won't want to miss it here on this episode of the Power Report Podcast. We're back again, episode number 113 of the Indie Ball Report podcast. I'm Nick, he's Will. We have a guest this week, but we're changing up a bit, and you're going to have to wait to hear that interview.
1: You know, it it only makes sense, I think, for this week. So even though it's a little bit different, I I think it'll work out well.
0: Yeah, it definitely is going to, because we need to give you some background information, because our guest this week, which I just realized now, we never promoted that, which kind of shame on us for that. Sorry about that. Yeah, it's a, it'll be a good interview for you to listen to, but we have to give you background information on uh, some of the stuff we talk about in that interview first, so that's the reason behind the change this week, but of course, you could just go to the show notes and skip to the interview if you want, I mean, that's available on the website, so you, you're free to do that, but with that said, we should just get into the news here, there's not really that much this week, and after we get through all that, then... Uh, yeah, you'll get your interview. So uh, we'll start off in the American Association and move to the Frontier League from there. Uh Only bit of news out of the American Association is kind of major news, actually, is Winnipeg has found their landing spot for the 2021 season. It will be Jackson, Tennessee. If you remember, they were a former double-A market. They didn't get the uh, pick to be affiliated. And then there was a whole fiasco between the city and team ownership. And there was a whole situation there. But apparently the Goldeyes signed an agreement to rent the stadium from the generals to play their games in this year. Uh, they're not ruling out a return to Winnipeg should the border improve. But I mean we've talked about that before. That is uh unlikely at best and downright not going to happen at worst. So I wouldn't hold my breath on that, but who knows, maybe the situation gets better quicker than we expect. Uh anywho. It does sound like, I said, they're renting the stadium from the generals. However, there is a slight issue with that, namely in that the city disagrees with this, and they claim the generals have no right, no authority, to do this agreement or any other agreement because they don't have a lease with the city, so they cannot rent out a stadium that they themselves are not renting and that they do not own. So, there is some sort of turmoil here between the city the generals and I guess the gold guys are in the middle of this as well.
1: Yeah. So Nick, this is an entire fiasco, right? And, uh, I guess purely from a American association standpoint, I don't know if I love this. Like let's take all the drama with the lease and, uh, the, the city of Jackson and, uh, and the generals. Let's take all that aside for a second. Yeah. I don't know how much this makes sense. Uh, because at least from what I hear, this the the facility at Jack uh, in Jackson is is not great. Uh, the location doesn't really make a ton of sense. Uh, I mean, out out in Tennessee, I mean that's pretty far out of the way. Um, and very far out of the way. Uh, in, in actuality, uh, away from the rest of the American association teams, not that travel has been a huge issue in the American association because it certainly is not They're They're not afraid to travel as we've seen. I mean, in normal years, they have a team in Canada and they have a team in Texas. So, um, but I mean, Tennessee is not really a a market we've seen in the American from the American association recently. Uh, now I don't know if this was kind of a last gasp or listen, we just need a, uh, need a place to play. We talked about on last, uh, last week's episode, could maybe uh, go out to like Indiana or something like that. Uh, but I I did not expect Jackson, Tennessee. I guess it kind of makes sense just because it, it was a former, uh, a former affiliated market that, uh, that has not gotten a team to this point. But I, I just don't think it makes a ton of sense from an American association standpoint. However, I do understand if they had no other options uh, that if they had to go to Jackson now, on the other side of things, with, with this drama, correct me if I'm wrong, but if if the city of Jackson owns the stadium and they do not have a lease agreement, I is the city not correct in that assumption that you can't just rent out? Um, you can't just rent out a stadium that you do not own for one, and you and you don't have a lease for at the moment too.
0: Yeah, that that would be the case if the Jackson Generals do not have a lease. With the uh, city for the stadium, they obviously cannot rent something out, but they themselves aren't uh, in some way running. Yeah,
1: yeah. So th- I feel like this. Um, I feel like this is far from over. Um, I just, I just don't think that um, this is going to go smoothly. I hope Winnipeg ends up playing. Uh, ends up playing in Jackson, of course. I mean the American association season is starting in 11 days. So uh, from this recording, uh, when this, when this uh, episode is released, it will be 10 days away from the start of the American association season. So they don't have a lot of time. And at this point, if this were to fall through with Jackson, I mean, at that point, you're just starting Winnipeg on the road and you're trying to pick up something on the fly, which is, uh, which is not really a great situation for anybody, especially for teams who then need to sell tickets last minute and, uh, it, it's just a whole mess and, um, not, and not only with the location, do I have concerns with the location and the facility in Jackson, but if the American association and, and the Winnipeg Goldeyes were, uh, they obviously made this decision to go to Jackson. They talked to the generals. Did they not know this was a possibility? Like, did, did they not know that, uh, that they didn't have a lease? I'm sure this had to be discussed. I, I just, I, I just don't think that there's too much uncertainty here way too close to the season to really make this decision. And I, I just don't see how this gets resolved in any, in, in any peaceful manner. Uh, not only that, but the sea, again, the season starts in 10 days. So the, the, uh, any sort of legal is not going to be, is not, is not going to matter at this point. And I just think there's too much to solve here. And, It doesn't seem like it's going to work, at least from the way I'm looking at it.
0: Yeah, I got to agree with that. There just seems like there's some missing pieces here, to be quite honest. Like, again, like you said, it just you wouldn't be doing your due diligence to not figure out who has the lease and who you're renting the stadium from and everything around that. It's very clear that the mayor's office and the city itself does not agree with this and has made it clear in the past, because if you remember, uh, from a while back when we were going through each of these cities that you know like got I guess de-affiliated unaffiliated whatever it may be if Jackson was the one that's least specifically stated you have to be an affiliated team in order to get this lease so in the article at least that I saw this come out in it says that on May 28th they have to vacate the stadium so At best case scenario, you're getting, what, your first series in? Because I believe Winnipeg does play their first two series on the road. I'm not sure uh, how many more games they play on the road from there, but I do know they open on the road. So that gives you a little bit of time here. But even still, you need a permanent landing spot. And it's very clear that the generals have a very different reading of their lease agreement than the city does and i understand you know obviously jackson's not going to have an actual team this year so they need to fill their skate their slate with other uh, events here so that way they can make money and you know trying to recoup costs and everything that goes with it but at the same time i don't really see how you're able to rent something out here that you don't know for 100 percent you're going to be able to use And less than that, because I could see you trying that because you say, look, if we're not able to rent it out, we lose nothing because we're already against the wall here. So I don't really blame the generals for doing that. I mean, they're they're trying to survive at the end of the day and you can't really fault them for that. I blame the American Association and Winnipeg for not really doing the due diligence to really want to avoid the situation. I mean, you mentioned the practical reasons of it's travel and the facilities are so-so. I mean, you can live with the facilities being so-so. I mean, it is what it is. It's independently ball. I mean, you know, you're not really going to be getting the grade A stuff here. So it is what it is. But it is a bit far out and just logistically, I would assume you would have wanted something more in the traditional footprint of the league. And I know they don't want to have to wind up, you know, sharing a stadium again. But I have to imagine if the Jackson situation falls through, that's going to be their only uh, action left to do. And it just seems like with the situation so muddled, knowing that by the end of the month, we're going to have our answer on it one way or the other. Because either the city's going to put locks on the uh, stadium doors, or they're going to be playing in it one way or the other. I just don't really see why this was, you know, the path taken. And I just think that this whole situation could have been avoided by finding a different place to play. Now, it very well could just be that there was no other place. There was no other stadium that could really take them, or that would be interested in taking them. And that it really was Jackson or bust. And if that's the case, I mean. You can't really fault Winnipeg for taking the only available place here because they need a permanent stadium to play in. But I just have a hard time believing that you couldn't find another ballpark to play in, which, you know, it's kind of funny in the end thing here. The Air Hogs wind up leaving and having a very nice stadium down in yeah. uh, in Texas. And uh, that would have been very nice to throw uh, the gold dies into for this year. Certainly, but obviously now yeah. it's been like converted into a cricket stadium, so it's a shame that that happened. Otherwise, that would have been you know the perfect uh, solution to the problem, I guess.
1: That that would have been nice. That that would have been nice, especially uh, we, we've talked about before on the show how nice that stadium is. So that that would have been, that would have been great. Of course, not really um, possible anymore. But I mean, you're right. This, this is going to be solved here, and, and I can't see this is because this has been going on for months. I remember like we, we talked about, I don't really remember a month. We talked about it, uh, about the whole problems between the disagreement between the Jackson generals and the city of Jackson, uh, on the, on the lease agreement. But this has been, this has like been a month's long dispute. And if they haven't figured it out yet, I mean, the 28th is three weeks. So three weeks away from this recording. So, um, I think you're right. I just don't see any way how, as soon as the clock strikes midnight on uh, on the 28th, the city's putting locks on the doors, and the and the gold eyes are going to have to figure out something. Have to figure out something to do. You would have, you would have to assume uh, Winnipeg and the American Association would have a permanent solution by then. But mm-hmm. I agree. I don't think that there's another option. Uh, I don't think there's another option. For the goal dies that really makes any sort of sense that isn't um that isn't sharing a stadium with another american association team and i know that's and i know that's what nobody wants but i think if this is the kind of their home run swing at this point uh to try to go to jackson and which i i nick i can't imagine that they didn't know these issues coming in yeah
2: like how did too. you
1: how could how could you not know these issues coming in Maybe this was just their last their their last swing of things before they have to revert to sharing a stadium, which nobody wants to do. Uh, but it might be their only option at this point because it doesn't seem like the city of Jackson has any interest uh, in 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 hosting uh, the Gold Eyes, which which is a shame. It, it is. I mean, I, you would like to see Winnipeg uh, have their own stadium for the year, have the fans in Jackson have um, one last year of professional baseball before. Whatever happens after, so that's definitely disappointing uh, for them. But if this if this lease disagreement has not been resolved in the in the four months that this has been going on, or four or five months that this has been going on, and the Jackson was officially deaffiliated for lack of a better term, I don't I don't see how in three weeks this all of a sudden gets resolved. And I I would be very surprised if if Winnipeg's playing their entire season out of uh, in Jackson. I just don't, I just don't think it's going to happen. Maybe they get a week or two in to try and work with the other teams, but uh, that where the generals still own the stadium and you can, uh, or they're excuse me, not own the stadium. They're, they're rented it out. Uh, so the cold Eyes can play their first series, I believe against Chicago. If, if they, uh, if the schedule I saw is, uh, is correct. Uh, but, I just don't. I just don't see it. it. It does. I don't think it makes any long-term sense. And I think that it's an, It's almost inevitable at this point that they're going to have to share a stadium, which is really tough to do for a full season. It's one thing for sixty games in two months, and twenty twenty was insane. You just had to do what you had to do to survive. But now I, I don't. It, it's going to be tough to do for a full season. Not to mention, you already have a traveling team in the league.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's another thing that we don't really pay much attention to is the Houston Apollos being a traveling team. But another thing I do want to, I just want to throw out here before we move on is if you knew there was like this confusion between the team and the city as to who has the rights to lease out this stadium, why not just go to the city? Like, if the city's saying that, look, we're the ones who can choose to use the stadium as we see fit. Why not go and propose the same thing to the state, to the city? And that way you're covered either way. Like that just seems to make more yeah. sense to me. Now they, uh, could, yeah, I agree. like they very well could have some sort of agreement in place here where I, I can't imagine whatever lease they signed with the, with the generals. is going to be that, you know, difficult to get with the city. Cause I'd hardly doubt that the, uh, or I highly doubt, rather, that the city wants to let the stadium just kind of sit there and rot. They'd much rather have it being used and, you know, generate some revenue from it. And, I mean, if you could lease it out and generate revenue from it at the same time by bringing in a ball club that's going to be there for a year, and it buys you an extra year to figure out what the hell you're going to do with this ballpark, I mean, that just seems like a win-win on each front. Like, the idea of putting them there is not bad. It's just the whole situation around it is just so confusing and so many things in the air that... Really, I don't understand why this is the the way to go. Unless, like we've been saying, this is the only choice, and I think that that has to be it.
1: Yeah, I, I, this seems like a last a last gasp for the American Association. Whether they're just hoping, uh, but I, yeah, I agree with you. I, I don't think there's. It would have made a lot more sense to go to the city. It really would have.
0: Yeah, because again, like at the end of the day, the city has the, has the say in this. And from, like, my understanding of the situation and the way that this lease is read, it seems like the city is in the right on this. I gotta be honest.
1: Yeah, I mean, based on the reading of the lease, it does seem like if this... I mean, I'm sure this will go to court eventually. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't... I, I think the city is in a pretty... is Seems in the right, according to the lease. So, yeah. Um, I, I don't... Yeah, it, it's a bad situation. And I think the American Association i'm sure behind the scenes that they're looking at other options but they're just they're just hoping jackson somehow works out and if it and if it doesn't hopefully they have like a plan b to put in place
0: yeah hopefully but uh i guess we'll see how that develops over time here it's uh it's a whole situation There, something that should be easy has been a bit more difficult so we'll see how this develops we'll monitor it and we'll update it as uh news comes out on it but with that note uh we'll move to the frontier league there's a couple things of note from the frontier league this week there's obviously one big thing that we broke on monday and uh then there's a couple other minor ones we'll get to the minor ones first the Frontier League draft and tryout is this upcoming Monday and Tuesday, May 10th and 11th. is at the Lake Erie Crusher Stadium. It's $60 if you want to participate. You can still register. Uh, this is my list for players. If you want to try out, you can still register. It's $60. It's going to be a mixture of workouts and some inter-squad games and then a draft after the final inter-squad game on May 11th. So uh, that's just a, a note. For those that are interested in trying out for the Frontier League, I'm not sure how many of the people listening are, but that is certainly something you could do. And at 60 bucks, it doesn't seem that bad, at least comparatively to some of the other tryouts that there are out there. So if you have a decent enough shot, man, yeah, why not shoot your shot? I mean, like we find out in this interview that's upcoming, everybody needs rookies. It's kind of hard to find a, a roster of 10 of them. So, I mean, it's certainly something that uh, you may want to consider if you would fall into the rookie classification.
1: Yeah, no, it's very important, and I think as we uh, as we also discussed uh, quite a bit in our interview uh, that you guys will hear uh, coming up, rookies are really important because you're looking for guys who can contribute. Of course, it, it, rookies probably won't be your main contributors on the team, but the teams that are able to, to find little, little places for their rookies to contribute uh, here and there it, those are the teams that are going to end up being successful. So it's really important. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of talent uh, there, especially with, I mean, you, you think about the five round draft last year. Uh, I mean, this, this year, of course, the draft hasn't, uh, hasn't happened yet, uh, but you would think that there's a lot more talent, I guess, um, I'll call it the rookie market than, uh, than, Than there would otherwise be in other years. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I think that, I think that makes it, makes it interesting. But I, I, as I'm sure all Frontier League teams know, um, this, the draft is, the draft and the tryout is is very important. And I'm particularly interested to see how the, uh, these CanM teams, uh, the former CanM teams, I should say, uh, do with the, do with this draft because listen, it's their first go around with this. Uh, it's a, it's a very, very new, roster setup it's a very it's a whole new ball game for them so uh and so how they do while they might have the better veterans probably the front uh, you'd think the frontier le- the uh, the norm the uh old frontier league teams have have the upper hand as far as as far as rookies and it, it'll be interesting to see how the uh the teams in the can-am division uh minus washington and lake erie um how, how they do as far as drafting all these rookies and at the tryout and what they look for.
0: Exactly. I think I can't tell if it's going to be more of a situation like we saw with the dispersal draft where everyone kind of takes one or two guys and then they kind of go on their way from there. If this is going to be where you really kind of fill out those rookie spots. I think it's probably going to more be the prior, at least in my opinion. I think we're going to see at least some guys here maybe not get picked up but certainly have their name written down as uh okay if we need to make a move somewhere in the season we'll keep your name on file because we liked what you did in any case it's important to get in front of uh you know scouts and players and coaches and everything like that if you're trying to get a job playing because you know you are what your tape says you are you are what your numbers say you are and you are what the uh with the tryouts as you are. So it's just something of note. wanted to toss that out there fairly quickly. Uh, I know there's been a lot of questions around streaming this year. At first, we were kind of led to believe that there's going to be more of an American Association-type platform where all the games are centrally located in one spot, and that's where you'd find them, and there may or may not be a fee for it. At this point, as you can probably guess, that's not going to really be the case. Uh, there's really been no movement on that front from the people I talked to as to league direction of, We're going to have a platform. It seems to be the directive has been unspoken, but pretty well established that every team's going to come up with their own way of streaming games. So that could be a YouTube stream. That could be a Mixler stream. It could be a, I guess, Vimeo technically a streaming. It could be on Twitch. It could be on just about any uh, streaming platform. Everybody's doing their own thing this year. I imagine the pandemic and then with Billy retiring or kind of taking a step back and then there being, you know, the merger that, you know, was supposed to go full through this year but never really did because the Canadian teams aren't in there and there was expansion and with all the the hectic off-season that there was and still having to navigate the pandemic as well on top of all this. I think that the the kind of centralized streaming got put to the back burner, at least for this year. So I imagine next year those' will approach this again and maybe do something in that regard. Uh, a little bit later on down the line but it does appear that for streaming games this year it's going to be done individually um on a team-by-team basis
1: and that makes sense for this year Uh, i I think uh, as you mentioned the um there are so many more issues that the frontier league has had to deal with this year but i think when we move to 16 teams um hopefully in 2022 when the frontier league moves to that 16 team setup I think it makes sense to have that that one streaming platform. You can really put put out a lot of great content outside of the games uh, as well. And I, I gotta say, uh, as a guy being the, the minor league baseball junkie I am, I do have a MLB uh, TV, yeah. and man, it's fun to yeah. to flip through all games and watch games archived, and I mean, watch highlights from different games. It's a lot of fun. So I, I think that I, I think the Frontier League, I think they want to do it. Uh, and even though it's not this year, uh, it makes sense why it's not this year. I-, I think that come next year where you have a, you have a full team roster, I think it makes a lot of sense to do, especially, uh, when it, with a pretty, with a pretty big league as well. So I, I think it makes sense. And I think that there's no, that I would be surprised if they don't have their one streaming service, uh, for, for next year.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of expect that to be the the trend going forward. I think that's just, honestly, I think it's just an easier way of doing it to have everything located in one central location. It just makes it easier. But like you said, given given everything that's happened over the offseason, I, I have to imagine figuring out the uh, the streaming options were kind of backburnered. Uh, so with that said, if we can kind of move on to the last thing and the biggest news out of the Pioneer League, and arguably out of the whole week if you really want to get down to it, is the Frontier League is expected to change their extra inning rules. This is something that uh, we were told about, or at least I was told about, on Monday. If it's, uh, someone told me, like, the Frontier League's going to be making a change here. This is what it's going to be. And then once I put it out, uh, it seems like it kind of caught fire. I've kind of been told by other people since that, yeah, it that is true. It's going to happen. So I, that's why I feel comfortable putting it out on the show. Uh, after the 10th inning in the Frontier League, they're going to go to a home run derby. It's going to be similar to, you know, how the Pioneer League runs their thing, or at least how they're planning on running their thing, I guess, is more accurate at this point. So, yeah, uh, we talked about this a, a bit last week, talking about our thoughts on the home run derby. I got to imagine they stay the same, talking about them, in the home in the Frontier League as opposed to Pioneer League, but uh, again, what are your thoughts on this slightly different take on the home run derby to end the game rule?
1: As we mentioned last week, we talked about it at length on the show. It's fun. Uh, it, it's fun. I for for the Frontier League, I don't like it as much as I did for the Pioneer League. I just think in, in the Frontier League. I think it's, it's easy enough. Um, I, I don't think pitching is as hard to come by in the Frontier League as it as it might be in a, in a very new league like the, like the Pioneer League that really can't afford to have 13, 14, 15 inning games. Uh, however, I, I, would be more inclined to just do the runner on second in the Frontier League. Uh, and, and I, and I mentioned this, I would, I definitely don't want to see the home run derby, uh, in a league like the Atlantic League. But if you want to end games quick in the Frontier League, I don't. Um, I don't. I don't think you need any sort of rules like this. I just don't want to see games decide. It seems kind of artificial. What I will say is, I do like that they're allowed to do whatever in the 10th inning. Um, that that uh, they're allowed to score normally in the 10th inning uh, before they go to this. I think that's good. So that makes me a little less skeptic of it. Uh, skeptical of it. I, I get it. I understand it's fun, but I don't love it as much from a frontier league perspective uh, than I did from the, uh, from the pioneer league perspective.
0: Yeah. I I believe for the 10th inning, the man on second rule is still standing there. I really haven't gotten, I haven't gotten any word on that. I'm pretty sure that would change, would not change. I don't see why it would Uh, with that in mind. Personally, like I said, in the past, I really don't care i mean like i understand why that rule is in existence for you know minor leagues and particularly the independent leagues because you can't have a game on a tuesday night going 14 innings it just is a not profitable and b let's be real who the hell wants to sit around on a tuesday night watching 14 innings of frontier league baseball i totally get that i understand it again Like, I I don't really mind it all that much. I do like that they have the 10th inning to solve it before we get to this point. It kind of reminds me of how the NHL handles their overtime, where it's like, okay, you have a five-minute three-on-three before we go to a shootout, and it's kind of like, look, this is your chance to end this. I do like that a lot, that we have that kind of cushing or padding into it. What I will say in addition to this, though, is I'm not sure I want it to become a widespread thing across the board. I want to see how this works out first. I do think it can, I don't want to say artificially make the end of the game exciting, but it certainly can add excitement to it. And if your main market is casual fans, which if we're being honest, it is, for sure. this is certainly an exciting way to end a game. I mean, like, I'm not going to say extremes isn't exciting because it certainly isn't, especially for a baseball fan it is. But if you're someone that's watched maybe 10 baseball games over the last five years are you really that invested in an extra inning game are you going to be that you know like on the edge of your seat going okay a white team got a run in the top of the 10th are they going to be able to hold on to it here in the bottom half you're probably not as much now if it's going to be if you're told over the loudspeaker that the rules are all right we're through 10 innings we're going to a home runoff whoever hits the most home runs wins and now you're watching on the edge of your seat to see can he hit another home run. If you're a casual fan, that's probably more exciting if we're being honest. but Oh, absolutely. So, like, I understand it from that perspective, and I don't hate it. I got to be honest. I really don't hate it. But then again, I also think, like, how many games are going to make it to an 11th inning over the course of a season? I mean, really, how many are?
1: Yeah, I'm not... Not too many, which is why, I mean, if you want to do the runner on second and the 10th inning, uh, if that is indeed the direction they go, then I'm all then I'm all right with it. I'm yeah. all right. I don't love it, but I, I, I can tolerate it. I'm all right with
0: it. Yeah, that's just my general take on it. So I just think, like, there's a lot more things that would have annoyed me, and this is pretty low on the level of it. Like, I just don't, I'm not really that bothered by it. And plus, like I said last week, is having a home run derby end a game any more, like, betraying the sacredness of the game than having a runner start oh, on second boy. like i put them on oh, fairly yeah. fairly even levels here i mean like it's six of one half dozen of another if you're going to complain about one not being real baseball then this other one certainly isn't and we all have gotten used to the runner on second in the minor leagues in general especially in independent league ball so i mean i i just really i don't see that as that big of a deal
1: yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I'm I'm all right with it. I think
0: it's fine. Yep. Yeah. So with that, we're out of news, but we're not out of content. We do have an interview that we've been kind of teasing all along the way. We forgot to promote it, like we said in the beginning. So we apologize for that. But this is a this is a really good interview. It's about an hour long or so, and I gotta say, I was really impressed with it. I was very I was very taken back by how good of an interview this is. Uh, our guest gives a lot of really good information a lot of uh, really just really well thought out points and I I definitely am looking forward to having him back on again later on in the year um, yeah I, you have anything else to say before I, I announce the name and we get on to that
1: it, it was a lot of fun it really was a lot of fun I'm sure if you um, if you're an independent league baseball fan you probably know who this guy is. Uh, but so it, it was more of a definitely more of a casual interview that was uh, a, a lot of fun to conduct. Uh, Talked talk a lot about um, Frontier League. So it is Frontier League centric, but of course uh, I'll let Nick announce it. But it was a lot of fun, and I'm, and I'm sure you guys will enjoy it as well.
0: Yep, and it was also heavily Jackal centric. But what else would you expect from our guest this week? uh billy pickney but you may better know him as billy the bat boy so here we go here's our interview with him all right we are back again and we have another guest joining the show this week i know we haven't been on top of that lately but this week we got a good one here he is one of the I guess original guys, when you come to supplemental independent league baseball contact, you probably know him better as Billy the Bat Boy. But we welcome to the show now, Billy Pinkney. How are you doing today?
3: Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. I'm doing great. Uh, it's been a lot of fun uh, in being in contact with you and uh, setting this up. And uh, I know you guys do a great job. So um, it's an honor to come on.
0: Yep, It's our pleasure and we appreciate the the kind remarks here. And I guess uh, today we're going to be talking a lot of the Frontier League and a lot of the Jackals in particular here. So I guess with that, we can kind of, I guess, just jump headlong into the Frontier League as a whole and then get specific from there. I imagine it's been a bit different here because you've been with the team for quite some time here. So going from the Can-Am to the Frontier League, I imagine has had a bit of a, a different feel to it.
3: Right. It's been a lot different. I mean, the whole year this past year has been a, a very weird year in itself, but um to not have that full season in the Frontier League was is a little weird because mm. we were so used to it. We were used to uh um this everything in place for this for this past year in 2020.
2: Mm. But
3: uh, you know, that got obviously uh prolonged a little bit but it's really exciting i mean the can-am league was a nice league with six teams but um, i think the frontier league is a more stable league Um, 14 teams and it's obviously now a partner league with major league baseball so it's really exciting and uh, i'm really excited to finally get to see these different teams in different cities and uh, the rebrand of the boulders and these different teams so it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, the can League was great, but it was obviously getting a little bit old because, you know, you're playing the same teams all the time. And this year with the Canadian border being shut down, um, it would have been very bad if we were still part of that league and with only having then a couple teams to play with. So um, overall, I think it's a great move and uh, really excited to get started in just a week, a week uh, week uh, players' report. So it's yeah. really exciting.
0: Yeah, definitely there. And like you mentioned with the border, I imagine that last second change that we came across. What was it, about a week or so ago now, when they said, "Look, we're not going to be able to have the Quebec teams and the and the team in Ottawa playing," so they kind of had to merge it into one team. I imagine that had like a last second effect on just kind of putting preparation together. Maybe not so much for you and the Jackals as a whole, because I mean, like to be fair, it's not directly related. But at the same time. Whenever something like that happens in the league, it does have a ripple
2: effect.
3: Absolutely, I mean, they took down the schedule for the for the Jackals and the other teams because um, the Canadian teams we had that that was part of our division. Uh, we yeah. had a couple of them. Um, I believe we we had Ottawa in our division, but um, it's tough because now we have to rearrange some things and we're waiting on that. So uh, once we figure that out, things will be a lot easier. I think we're gaining a couple home games uh hopefully that is released very soon but it is tough you know you have to put together a team last minute the the quebec team that's managed by patrick scalabrini this year which is great that they're actually able to do something mm. um, i would hate to be them having two years of no baseball that it's really unfortunate but definitely last minute like that it's tough
0: yeah, and also there's also uncertainty now because whatever happens with the board dictates whether there's going to be even more home games or if there's going to be now travel into Canada or not too, which obviously does have an effect as well.
3: Exactly. You see the same thing happening with uh, the Trenton Thunder, the Buffalo yeah. Bisons, they're playing there and uh, their AAA affiliate of the Blue Jays is playing in Trenton. So we see a lot of that here and it's, it's pretty weird. I was looking through the rosters and the schedules and trying to figure out, everything and it's it's definitely different than you than uh, your typical year because of all these changes
0: yep, absolutely and i guess with that i'm going to give will a chance to jump in here because i've been talking for a little bit of time now so uh, i'll turn over to will for a minute
1: sure, sure so so, Billy, I, I guess you started to touch on it earlier, but I mean, as a guy who's been around the Jackals for so long, and you're playing, you know, the Boulders all the time, the Miners all the time, you're playing on um, Three Rivers and and Quebec and those teams. I'm not sure how much you followed the Frontier League in the past. Like, how exciting is this? Do you think, at least for you and for the Jackals in general, to have these new teams coming in all the time in such a in a much bigger league now?
3: Yeah, it's great because obviously we love playing the Boulders and the Miners and these other local teams. But um, when we have an opportunity to play some other teams who we've never seen before from different cities, it's it's awesome. I mean, I remember way back when they had the Midwest trip, they called it, when the American Association, we had interleague play with them. Oh,
2: yeah.
3: And we had teams from you know, Wichita, and Winnipeg and Kansas City. We all went there. They went here for a week. And it was really fun to see the different talent from those different leagues. And at the time, it was pretty similar. Things have changed a little bit over the years, but uh, it was really cool to see those different players and managers from that league. So um, same thing, I guess you could say, with the Cuban team and and the Japanese team that came in a few years ago. That was great to see as well. We got to see different cultures play. And this will be another different uh, experience with having different cities come in here so it's a change something that i think it was time for and uh as, as long as we're able to still play the local teams and also play the teams from different
1: cities uh, farther away i think it's going to be great and as you as i'm sure you know the frontier league and the can M league at least had some pretty major differences roster wise of course to the can M league not having uh, an age limit frontier league having an age limit and while the, you would think that those that the differences between the the frontier division and the Can-Am division while you would think those differences would kind of even out over time at least do you think for the first couple years you're going to have some differences in like in style of play or whatever between the frontier league the frontier division excuse me and the Can-Am division or do you think there's everything's pretty much going to be even for, right from the start
3: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, that was probably the only thing I didn't like about the Frontier League is their roster rules and helping Brooks find players for the team and being involved in that process. It's not easy. It's really not easy because you have a league like the Atlantic League where they can sign whoever they want and they don't have to look at any type of roster classifications or anything like that, and it's a lot easier for them. Us, we have to look at those classifications and see if we have enough rookies and too many veterans and this and that it's it's a lot but i do i we've worked tirelessly to figure out who would fit best and we could assign so many uh, great players but we couldn't because of the fact that we have three veteran max and age limit and all that but i do think that there there will be a uh some better competition in the can division i really do because we have some guys coming back the The whole division the the, the teams from the can am league we have players returning from past years and when you look at that from the Jackals' standpoint the Miners' standpoint mainly um we have some very solid guys coming back and i don't know if the other frontier league managers in the other division and the other uh half the league i don't know if they are aware of how to form a roster with extra veterans and extra experienced players i don't know we'll have to wait and see but i do feel that our side of things and the minors and the other local teams are, that were part of the can league i do think that they will have very solid teams um and especially try uh Tri city they have a very solid team. They have a great manager, Pete Incaviglia, coming over from Sugarland because he's used to forming teams like the in the Atlantic League where they have a lot of veteran guys. So it's going to be a challenge for him, obviously, because he has to uh, pay attention to the classifications, but he also knows of how to get those veteran guys in here and, and track them. So that was definitely a big part of this offseason was – trying to fill the roster and really uh, take a deep dive into how we're going to build it because it's not easy when you have those classifications. I thought it was tough in the Can-Am league. This is even tougher because we had, I think five rookies in the Can-Am and now we have to have 10. It's a lot. That's half the team right there. That's almost half the team. So um, You also look at the fact that are you degrading the quality of play? If, need if you have more rookies rather than more veteran or experienced players and people show up to the ballpark because they want to not just have fun but they also want to see good talent really good talent and in my opinion you want to see the best possible talent play best available talent should go to the independent to this partner league and unfortunately we can't sign the best possible talent at all times because we have to fulfill these different requirements in the roster. So that's unfortunate. And I do think as time goes on, the roster will, the roster rules might change. I don't know which direction it might be uh, on the other side of things. where you are going to have more younger guys, but um, for this year, at least it's going to be the most similar, I think, to the Can-Am League of what we've seen in the past. But uh, it's great to see though guys returning from 2019 into this frontier league and have that transition. And I think those guys will do even better in this league than they did in 2019.
1: And b- before I throw it before I uh, throw it back to Nick to see if he has uh, a any additional thoughts on on this note. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said that you, of course in the CanAm League you had five rookies that you had to have now. That uh, becoming ten rookies. Obviously, you guys as a team, you and Brooks, you guys are looking for rookies who can produce for the team. So, I guess how did you how did you go about uh, looking for those guys this offseason? season? Like, like where did you guys start like to to look for those guys? When maybe you're not as as maybe you maybe the Jackals as an organization are not as uh, experienced in trying to find value in those rookies while still trying to just simply satisfy the roster requirement.
3: Right. I mean, it's tough. You have to look at um, several different places. There are camps in Florida where there are many good young players. And I know Brooks is involved with that and finding those guys in Florida. He lives there. So it's easy for him. I feel like he it's easier for him than some other managers because he was a manager in the Frontier League before. So he already knows uh, how to evaluate those rookies. And uh, if guys got released this past off season, and there were a lot of them this year, and during twenty twenty, um, there were a lot of rookies too who are free agents. So um, whether they had affiliated experience or right out of college, um, I think we were able to evaluate them pretty well. And uh, luckily for us, he knows what he's looking at when it comes to those younger guys. Um, but some managers, such as ones. Who are used to veteran uh, players and, and forming a team with all veterans, it might be a little tougher. It might be. It might not be, but it might be. Uh, like for example, Pete Viglia, Who knows? I mean, his veterans could be stacked. He could have he could have some great experienced players, but then I don't know if he'll have solid rookie players. It could go one way and the other. And that that was our problem, to be honest with you. In 2018, I think we had a lot of high-caliber, experienced players, I think five big leaguers that year. And then we had rookies who just weren't mixing well in that whole uh, scheme there. It just wasn't working out well. So you have to find that balance, and I think our team has a nice balance. We're able to find great rookies, and a lot of that, I have to say, uh, was had to do with that league last year. The All-American Baseball challenge. We had a it was pretty much and Brooks called it a eight week tryout. And that season really gave us an opportunity to evaluate guys and see who might fit on our roster this year. So we did bring some guys back who are rookies from that team. Hayden Shenfield's one and he's a solid pitcher for us and he'll be coming back. Um a few other guys. Chris testor was on that twenty nineteen team. He's a rookie Anthony Aleta, another guy on that team. So we do have a solid group of rookies coming back and uh, other rookies as well who will be fighting for a spot. So I think overall it'll be uh, pretty good for us to fill up those rookie spots. But who knows for the other teams? Uh, we'll see. And sometimes you will you'll, uh, get lucky and some guy will break out and be one of those uh, dark horse candidates. So uh, we'll see. It's always a lot of fun to see who uh, will break out as a really good player.
1: And Nick, I'm not sure if you have uh, if you have anything if you have anything else to uh, to add on on the roster note.
0: Yeah, you on, probably do. Yeah, on the roster note, I was just I'm pretty sure I know the roster rule, but I just want to make sure everyone knows that for the classification for rookie, and as far as the age things go, the classification for each thing, like I think it's E one, E two, that's both experience based and age based, correct?
3: Yeah, I believe it, it's it's all complicated, but yeah. Um, I believe for, if you're over 28 or something like that, you're automatically a veteran. And it's, I don't think it's the same where you count the year by the, I mean, you still, it still does matter when you count the innings and the games pitched and the at bats. But as far as veteran players goes, if you're over that age, you're automatically a veteran. And then if you have, less than two years you're a rookie and then if you have one more year than that you're e1 and then anything more than that no yeah. matter what you're an e2
0: okay all right just want to i want to make sure it's, that it's
3: not easy I, it took me a little while to learn that I mean, yeah i learned i finally figured it out once i once i uh learned how to Figure out the can-am League one, so it's like yeah. back and forth. I'm trying to figure out everything, but yeah. uh, I think I finally got it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I imagine it's it's real complicated to get a hold of, and I imagine it's a bit frustrating. Right when you figure out the can-am one, up oh, we're merging. Yep. We're, you're gonna have a throw those rules out, get new ones in. <laughs>
2: but <laughs> That's
3: exactly it. it. Happened to Brooks too. He didn't. He wasn't uh, sure about the CanAm rules when he came here in 2018, and uh, we had a we had a it was a whole mess. We had to put mm-hmm. guys on the DL because. We had too many E5s or, or LS5s, whatever you called it back yeah. then. Oh, my God.
0: Yeah, it's the whole thing. But, I mean, in the end, it worked out for you. You got a championship the following year in 2019. So Yeah, I it mean. Was,
3: that was that was great. I mean, we knew after that 2018 year that we had to change things up. We much gutted the, gutted the whole roster. And forming that team was a lot of fun. I mean, I talked to a ton of guys. I tried to get them to play here. Luckily, a bunch of guys I talked to ended up signing here. And then that whole year was really special. I had a funny feeling we were going to do great things. And as the year went on, we picked up some little pieces as we went along. David Harris later in the year, uh, Isaac Wenrick later in the year. And then by September, we were firing all cylinders. Everything was coming along perfectly and, uh, had a great run in the playoffs.
0: Oh yeah, no, that was a that was a re- really really fun team to watch. I know I, I've spent uh, plenty of time watching them play, and I honestly think because obviously I, I watched the whole playoff run there, about that the uh, series against three Rivers, I think was honestly one of the better series I've seen obviously there were some really good moments in that championship game especially I believe it was game one that went to extra innings that one was was a classic there and the back and forth in the, in the final game was great too but it just seemed like the Jackals and the Eagles were just so evenly matched in that series where you didn't really know who was going to come out of it and that's almost what made it so wonderful in the sense of now, obviously, if you're involved with either team, you would have much rather just said, Look, like, can we just get to the championship game? But as a fan and watching it, it, it was really something special to watch.
3: It was. I mean, th- those two teams that we played, they were very good teams, very solid teams. Mm-hmm. And it, it really was a toss up in that. Uh, that series against the Rivers, and I remember watching it on my phone. It was tough. It's tough yeah. to watch those games, especially when you're not there in person. Oh yeah, you don't know what's gonna happen. I remember diving plays in outfield. Demetrius Moore oh, yeah. making the final out. Oh my god, it's it, it's nerve wracking. I remember the championship. Yeah. I could still feel my heart beating. Yeah. <laughs> I was sitting in the dugout. That was that was something else. Yeah. I rewatch different highlights from that last game every so often and. Uh, Watching Conrad Gregor hit that homer to break open the game and the the final few batters of the game. It, just, it was something else. And the thing with the Miners was that you couldn't give them any breathing room because they were going to come back. And I knew even after Conrad hit that homer, yeah. we still had to hold them down because they would be able to come back. And they did. Yeah. But luckily they didn't tie it or take the lead. And uh, our bullpen was incredible, mainly Dylan Brammer and Reese Corrales, they were untouchable and they were really working like overtime on that bullpen. (laughs) They were, they were carrying the the whole uh, bullpen. The the starting pitching came alive and we were a third place team, but the mentality of the players and the chemistry and how they work together to get that championship ring is, it was really incredible. And that's why team chemistry is so important. What kind of guys put on that team are so important because it's it's more than just talent on paper and a lot of teams have great players on paper but they fail to reach their max potential because there might be things going on in the clubhouse that you don't know about and that was similar to 2018 the year before that Mm -hmm. things just didn't work out Uh, a lot of different personalities on that team and Mm -hmm. it just it just didn't mix well and 2019 was the total opposite of it, and it was really incredible.
0: Yeah, no, it, that was just an amazing run to watch. And really, when you think back on the final years of the King and League, obviously there is issues with the league itself. But those last two championship series were both just incredibly special just on the way sure. that they ended. I mean, like, we talked with the Miners broadcaster, Brett Lusner before, and him talking us through the Figueroa walk-off shot oh was God. just, it was something else. And now talking through the the Jackals winning their championship is just, it shows you how really special that the Can-Am was and how special really independent league ball was, as a, or is, rather, as a whole. And uh, you really do get some wonderful moments from uh, leagues like this.
3: You do. You really do. And that's what's so special about indie ball. You have fun. You really enjoy it. It's all about winning. Obviously, guys have their individual goals to get back to affiliated ball, and that's awesome to see as well. But when you're there, it's it's time to win and have fun. And that's a little bit different than affiliated ball. They're more focused on developing players and getting certain innings in and all that. Winning is more secondary there, but independent ball, it's all about winning and uh, those great moments – happen a lot in indie ball because of that
0: oh absolutely and i I guess on that to kind of build on that to get more of those kind of winning moments obviously you're going to have a lot of teams to go through we were just talking about the frontier league and all the new teams that they were adding so i'm kind of curious when you look around the league are there other teams that you see are okay these guys are going to be a threat they're going to be an issue they're going to be a good team uh, I know you mentioned Tri City earlier as one team that m- that looks like they're building a good roster. I'm wondering if there's any others in addition to uh, New Jersey themselves, because obviously you guys are putting together a great team as well.
3: Yeah, I mean, the whole—I feel like our whole division is really putting together a nice roster. Yeah. Um, when you look at Sussex and what they're doing there, I mean, obviously they're always a threat. Yeah, you put you see, you know, you see what they did in. 2018, they won. 2019, put up a great fight against us, and they have a lot of good guys coming back. They have other guys coming in, and they'll be good as well. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see because this playoff format is a lot different. We only have one divisional winner, yeah. so it's going to be a dogfight to the top. Whoever could uh, could win the division will advance, and it's not going to be easy by any means. I mean, in the Amley the top four teams made it out of six. Yeah, we wouldn't have made it if it was this type of format, and we ended up winning. So it's it really is going to be a lot different. We're going to have to. Every game is very important, every single game. So uh, I mean, Washington is in our division. They're mm-hmm. putting together a nice team as well. So I, I think out of out of our division, New York is is outside of our division, which is a little bit. Yeah. Different than what we're used to, but we're still playing them a bit and they're putting together a nice team a lot of hard throwers. So mm-hmm. It's gonna be interesting to see it really will be I think it could very well come down to What kind of talent is there at the end of the year? Will guys get hurt? Will guys get picked up? and That's what also what happened with Sussex. They lost a couple guys one went uh, To another team and one went a couple went to affiliated I believe or got hurt so they weren't um, they they weren't always at full they weren't at full strength in, in the playoffs and they lost a few guys but um, it's really about it's it's luck a lot of luck so I think on opening day all the teams in our side of the our side of the league and the division are going to be very strong but I think it it might ultimately end up to who wants it the most and. What kind of players are there? If if guys get picked up and get hurt, things could change and could shift in a different direction. So I think it'll be a really interesting dogfight as we head into the playoffs.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look around, at, like you said, with each of these teams, and they all have, at least in my mind, one real potential game-breaker. I mean, Sussex is the obvious one. They just brought back Figueroa. They have Cody Mincy, the possibility of bringing in Juan Kelly, a guy that, you know, Can-Am guys are very familiar with. And, I mean, then they obviously have the rest of their their lineup of guys, too. So, really, that's going to be the fight. I'm really looking forward to watching the two teams in New Jersey go back and forth to see who's going to get that... Uh, top billing is going to be so interesting to see who can kind of, I don't want to say hold on here, but who's going to be able to outlast the other one and just be able to get that last push to get into the postseason. But I mean, we still are about three weeks away from opening day. So, I mean, that comes much later on.
3: Definitely. Definitely. It's going to be great to see. I know Sussex has a great roster. They have a lot of experienced players, so they might have to deal a couple of those guys, but overall these rosters are looking good. And especially with last season being lost with minor league baseball and and the elimination of teams, there's a lot more great talent out there. And that's it goes back to the, what I was saying before about the roster rules. We can't sign the best possible talent. Yeah. Uh, we signed a lot of great talent in the league, but if, if we had the um, ability to sign anyone we want like the Atlantic League does, we could stack these rosters across the league. And that's really how it should be being a partner league with major league baseball. But yeah. it is what it is. Uh, I, I understand what they're trying to do with giving an opportunity to younger guys, because that's what obviously scouts like to see. They like to yeah. see younger, young competition, young, uh, young arms and, and young players. But um, it's still overall going to be a really good season talent
0: wise. Yeah, absolutely there. And I'm going to toss it back to Will now because I've been talking for a little bit of time here to see uh, what he has to to add on now.
1: Bill, you started to lead into it, I think, a little bit uh, with your last answer about about being a partner league and uh, I guess the frontier's role in that. And, of course, you're looking at the draft being shortened to 20 rounds. There's going to be a lot less guys, obviously, who get drafted um in, into a affiliated ball right away so I, I guess over the next like five ten years do you, do you um like what, what do you view the frontier league's role as as like a, a in like the developmental um stage of minor league baseball
3: yeah i mean i think the frontier league is in a great spot um they're gonna i feel like we're gonna see a lot of young players who should have been drafted Play in our league over the next 10 years. And um, when you look at the draft being shortened, I think a lot of the guys who would have been drafted even this year might be playing in this league. Guys who would have been drafted between the 20th and 30th rounds this coming year and the year after that. We'll see a lot of those guys in this league, and you might not know much about them because they don't have much in their baseball reference page with uh, being drafted and playing affiliated ball. So we might see some double-A caliber guys and high-A caliber guys along the next, throughout the next few years who'd never played at the high-A or double-A level because the draft was shortened and the, the teams were eliminated. So um, I do think there's going to be a lot of good rookies because then they would be classified as rookies in the next few years because of that so you might not know much about them to start but they'll sure, sure make a name for themselves when they come play here
1: and and do you think that uh do you think that there will probably be more scouting like more mlb scouts or uh, or maybe even uh, other countries as well such as mexico uh in the mexican league do you think as a result of more guys that are that maybe like you said should have been drafted uh in the frontier league do you think that's an overall benefit just because you would figure there'd be a lot more scouts who are going to be going to these uh these frontier league games looking for the guys that that they might have missed on in the draft i mean there's countless examples of guys in the mlb who have been drafted past the 20th round who um, who, who have turned into great uh great mlb players and you'd certainly think that the frontier league at least uh, within the next five, ten years, is going to have a couple of good examples of that, of that kind of player.
3: No, I definitely agree. I mean, scouts, you see them all the time at different stadiums and these independent games. But I do think they'll increase as the years go on because they're not just looking for guys who have already been drafted. They're now trying to go back and see if they miss anybody, like you just said. And I do think that teams will want to get the scoop on some guys who they missed. Um, so perhaps we'll see some more scouts in the coming years and i do think that being a partner with major league baseball is a buzzword that will attract more people as well um, to want to see this talent um, not just scouts but i do definitely think that there will be more scouts in the future looking for those players who they might have missed in the draft in the next few years
1: and as far as being a a partner league in general this is Well, the Atlantic League was the first in the sense that they had their uh, they had their whole partnership in 2019. As far as as far as like on the field, what kind are there any differences that do you think fans will notice on the field uh, as far as uh, as far as Frontier League play because of the uh, um, because of the partnership with Major League Baseball, or even not so much on the field? I guess in general, maybe around the ballpark. Like, what do you think fans can expect? like Jackal fans who can expect where this partner partnership might be a little bit new to them.
3: Right. I believe the partnership with the Atlantic league was a different type of partnership where they actually had the on fields and, and gameplay changes and rules. And I believe the partnership with us, and I think the American association too, is more of a behind the scenes uh, front office type initiative. And I don't think we'll see much gameplay changes uh different rules that's i think more for the atlantic league uh, and that's the type of contract they worked out with them but i do know that the frontier league is talking about changing the extra inning rule to a home run derby just like we saw um last summer in our little tournament style league that we had um which is interesting because uh that's something that's a little different than what we've seen before before last year and obviously, we're used to the men on second, and that was uh, foreign to us years ago. But now, obviously, Major League Baseball implemented it. But I don't think that has to do with the Major League Partnership. Uh, I don't know if they would have liked that. I don't who knows. But I think that uh, whole partnership is more of a uh, something that will affect the front offices and how they go about looking for opportunities and, and different, uh, maybe perhaps, advertisement uh, initiatives but I don't think that it'll that it'll affect gameplay at all or anything around the ballpark. We'll see. Who knows if we'll if they'll implement trackmen or, or anything like that. Um that's a possibility down the road, but I haven't heard anything about that.
1: And you mentioned the uh the, the extra inning home run derby that the Frontier League is talking about adding in. Of course last week the Pioneer League uh announced that they that they were going to do that. You said it was interesting, but I, I, I'd really, I'd really like to get, uh, I'd really like to get your opinion on it. I know, you, I know you have one.
3: <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it is interesting. But see, you play a game for nine innings, and guys are pouring their hearts out on the fields and battling, and then you're going to determine the winner by what guy could hit the ball over the fence and go back and forth with it, and, and, and it, I, I don't know. I think the I feel like the man on second rule was keeping the fans in like that at first, but then when you'll hear about this rule, you're like I want that one back. Uh, so I think I'm more in favor of the man on second rule because, especially because MLB's using it right now, but we did try it out last year, the home run derby rule. It was fun. You know, It was fun. It was a fun thing to do, but it's just going to end up being whoever could hit Whoever's the BP Homer guy, you know, it they, they could be the worst hitter on the team. And if he could hit bombs, I mean, that you're, you're going to determine your winner that way. Does that mean then you have a guy who can't hit in the game, but hits absolute bombs during BP on your bench? That could be a different type of strategy uh, scenario that teams implement in their roster building uh, situation. But uh, I feel like that's a rule that you would want in a in a lower level independent league and not an MLB partner league. If that makes sense, I would yeah. maybe, uh, maybe if a team uh, league like the pioneer league or the empire league or one of those leagues wants to do that. I think they did talk about that, right? And, and yeah.
1: They, the, they, Pi- the pioneer league is, is going to do it. They are uh, doing it. Is yeah. To,
3: yeah. Right. So I think it makes sense for them. And if it works out well and, and the players like it and the managers like it, then maybe you could, it up to our league, but I don't know. I think it's a, It reminds me too much of a little league type, or you know, some type of amateur uh, rule. I mean, everyone thought that about the men on second rule, and people still do. But I think that's more reasonable, and, and it will end the game faster
1: fair point fair point i think i think, <laughs> yeah. I, I, think the, I think the the biggest difference for me and it's something at least on last week's episode that i was talking about um at least for the pioneer league that i, I thought it made sense for them just because right. you don't want to be burning um uh, they, they don't they don't really have endless um like supply of pitching they can just pull from to go play, uh, to go play in um, like in Colorado or, or or wherever out there. But I feel like at least in the Frontier League, if y- you can find pitching, like uh, if if you if you need to like pick up pitching and like at least in the Frontier League, that, that's probably an easier thing to do uh, to find pitching on the fly than it would be in the Pioneer League. Would I be correct in that in that assumption?
3: I would agree. I mean, uh, I know guys in the past didn't mind this. And on second rule as much because we're light in the bullpen. You know, every team's light in the bullpen, and on the bench as well. So, a guy gets hurt or something, you only have one or two guys on the on the bench, probably one backup catcher and one other utility guy, and that's it. So, you're playing with a short, a small roster. Back then, it was 22 guys, I think. Now we have 23 or 24. So, I definitely agree with that viewpoint because the rosters are smaller and you could you can't afford to uh go deep into games during a season uh, i do think that the man second rule's good uh especially when you're dealing with shorter rosters or if you want the game to get over pretty quickly but i don't know about the home run derby for a, a league like ours
0: yeah i i could see that and uh I get, I've just realized I'm jumping in where Will was talking. So Will, uh, no, no,
1: you're good. I was yeah. going to throw it back to you anyway. All right.
0: Yeah. And I'm glad that, that, uh, you got asked the question because I was going to bring it up because we're the ones who, who got that going on Monday and said, Oh, we're, they're going to play the 10th inning and then they're going to a home run derby. And then we saw the, the kind of, I don't want to say fallout, but the reactions coming from that were very mixed I'll, I'll say that so <laughs> i i was definitely gonna ask you that question there and uh yeah on that note i i get this the sense here that we're gonna keep continuing to see baseball like we know it in the frontier league and that we're going to you know get a good experience uh from frontier league baseball from the transition to can league baseball and and I am curious to know, like, when we look through, because we've talked about other teams' rosters and things like that, um, I do want to talk a bit about the Jackals roster and just who they have on there right now. Obviously, we have some names that are very familiar to fans, uh, but... There's also some newer guys there. You mentioned that there's got to be ten rookies on the roster here, so I was just wondering if you could kind of go through some guys that we might not know, that maybe uh, the average guy is not familiar with, that's going to be a standout guy or someone to watch, someone of note.
3: For sure, for sure. Um, this year, if I you know compare it to our 2019 team, it's stronger on the pitching side and probably a little weaker on the offensive side. And that was a big thing of ours. The Jackals never really had a very strong pitching team
2: mm.
3: during a full year. And I really, I can't remember the last time we really did have a strong pitching team. It probably might have been before I was even there or one of my first years. So um, obviously that 2019 team pitching was great in the playoffs and later in the year, but throughout the course of the year, uh, it was not great. We had an ERA, I think, almost at five or some four something. So,
2: yeah.
3: um, that was definitely a, um, room for an area for improvement. And I think we did a nice job with putting together a, a solid pitching staff. The bullpen, I feel like, is going to be great. Uh, we have Dylan Bramber coming back to close out games. He was a stud out of our bullpen in 2019. Same thing with Reese Corrales. So those mm-hmm. two guys who pretty much won the championship for us though they're both coming back so anybody else is an is, is an addition it is a yeah. great uh, addition to that bullpen so um we have chase ingram coming back he'll be in the bullpen as well uh he was a starter a lot last year in our uh, tournament league and uh he's got a nasty curveball and we're excited for him to come back uh in the bullpen uh we also have uh uh Spencer Hereford, who's a rookie. I mean, he's a solid guy and he's the almost identical twin looking of uh Hayden Shenerfield. So it's pretty yeah. funny. It's gonna be tough to tell those guys apart, but similar yeah. pitchers and Shennafield was very solid for us last year as well. So those two guys will be solid. Uh we have some rookie other rookie options, both uh Tessitore. could be in the bullpen, could be in the rotation. Uh he was with us, he started the last game of the championship for us. So, he's a good guy to have uh, in the mix. Uh, Anthony Oletta, same thing, lefty. uh, Has a nice opportunity to uh, make the team as a reliever. And there's, of course, other rookies in there who are fighting for spots as well. And uh, some lefties, a couple lefties, you got a bunch of righties, guys out of college. So, you know, those guys might impress us. You know, we'll see what happens in some training. starts next week, so... That's really exciting, and as far as the rotation though, that's looking pretty good as well. Uh, one of the main guys that we acquired this off season was uh, Ronald Herrera. Yeah, and he played for the New York Yankees. Uh, and it's funny, funny story. Uh, I talked to Ronald a few years ago and tried to get him to come here a few years ago, and he was still with the Rangers at the time, so he was under contract. But so he was I believe he was rehabbing at the time with them and I was going through people who I contacted in the past and stumbled across Herrera again. I was like all right, I'll try it. And I'll try messaging him. Yeah. So I did and uh he's like hey, I'm uh, you know, I want to play and if you want to play in Jersey. So I told Brooks I said, hey, this guy, we were looking for an experienced starting pitcher, a good good caliber guy and And he was the one, and Brooks liked him. Uh, He liked uh, his stats, and he happened to be throwing in front of scouts in Florida an hour away from where Brooks lives. And he went to go see him, saw him once, liked what he saw. He then went the next week to watch him again, and that's when he signed him. So uh, that was great to to see and be a part of. Mm. Uh, Definitely adding a familiar name for Yankee fans is always fun. Uh, we had a big black a few years ago who was with the Mets. So oh, yeah. it's always cool to have vocal names and, and guys who played for a big league team, let alone the New York Yankees. So yeah. that's going to be a lot of fun talking to him. And uh, we also have Jose Almonte, who is a very solid pitcher. He'll probably be, probably be our number two. Mm. Um, then we also have uh, uh, John Hayes, who was with Southern Maryland. Big guy. Yep. So he'll be another yep. solid guy as well. And uh and then we'll probably round out the rotation with a rookie or two. Who knows? Tessator, uh Mike Murray is another solid guy who we'll have in that rotation. Uh so we'll have a few really good starters in that rotation. And who knows we might add a lefty in there as well. Uh we have a few options, younger guys. So uh that's definitely a a strong suit for us. And uh on the offensive side, I mean we have some great hitters coming back i mean jason aggress he's our catcher he was with us for the past couple of years he'll be back behind the plate uh two of our veterans Santiago Torino who look to extend his all-time hits record in the frontier league this year and then also right on who was the player of the year in 2019 he'll be back former big leaguer yeah so that's really exciting um we'll also have uh uh, Dalton Combs who probably be our first baseman probably spent some time in the outfield lefty hitter. So hopefully he'll uh, Be a solid bat for us and same thing with uh, Russ olive. He'll probably spend some time in that first as well uh, Another lefty. So those two were are pretty important. Hopefully those guys could uh, hit well for us and, and be great contributors And of course in the outfield, we also have Demetrius Moore coming back and he was a great part of our championship uh, and Todd Isaacs uh, from the Bahamas, really excited for him. Uh, one of the fastest guys you'll see play. And, um, he was, I think at one time, the fastest guy in minor league baseball and, or one of the fastest. So, um, that's going to, he's going to be at the, probably the top of our lineup, uh, which is exciting. And then there's of course a, a bunch of other guys who, uh, spent some time in our, uh, in our league last year, who will be in on our, uh, radar of whether or not they're going to make it um but that's going to be really exciting to figure out and another rookie coming into camp is justin wiley and he'll play probably all the infield positions second short third and he's a guy who i'm going to keep my we're going to keep our eyes on because he might be a very solid player for us did well in college and uh he's going to be one of our solid infielders and uh same thing chris carpio he'll be back uh he was with our team last year, and uh, he's a smaller guy, but he could play. He could hit, and he's a solid fielder as well. So that's really exciting, and uh, if all guys are are able to hit like we think they will and, and really hope that they can, I think we're going to have a solid offensive year as well. And, of course, that given well, everyone stays healthy um, and all that, because if, if guys aren't healthy and start going down, that really hurts, and it's hard to... Uh, find guys uh but now it's a little bit easier to find guys because there's so many available but uh you never want to that's last resort you never want to go there and, and and try to find somebody but yeah um it, it's it is we did, it did work out in 2019 picking up isaac winrick that was a game changer for us and uh sometimes things work out the right way but overall i think this year's roster is looking pretty good
0: yeah, no, it definitely is. I mean, a lot of the guys you mentioned there, I believe it was Isaacs who said that that's, uh, Speeds there obviously has the huge potential yeah. to be very exciting and an extremely effective player as well. Hayes is the player that you acquired in the David Harris trade, right? I just want to... Who was that? The John Hayes.
3: John Hayes. I, bl- I believe he was. Yeah, okay. it sounds right to me. From yeah. Southern Maryland. We made a few deals with them over the yeah. past couple of years, but... Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, Hayes could be, uh, another solid, uh, rotation piece for us. And, uh, who knows? You know, there, there's some guys who in years past have been on the roster and you don't know how they're going to do,
2: uh,
3: by just seeing their name on the roster, but they surprise you. Yeah. One of those guys a couple of years ago was Edward Reyes.
2: Oh, yeah. Man. Um,
3: man, you, you, we didn't know much about him going into it. Brooks said, Oh, yeah, he's, I saw him out of camp. He looked great. I was okay. And yeah. then you really don't know until you see him in live games. And the guy was one of our better pitchers yeah. that year. So yeah. it's funny how things work, but yeah. nah, it, it's going to be
0: exciting. Yeah, didn't Reyes no hit Ottawa?
3: He, oh, that was uh, Edward Lopez. Oh, okay. My mistake. Edward yeah. Lopez, the year before, 20, yeah. 2018. I, I yeah. get those
0: two confused a lot. I don't know yeah, why. Yeah,
3: I know. It's it's tough. The, the yeah. names are similar. Yeah,
0: but I, I remember someone knew no hit Ottawa, and I remember this because I went the day after that and I was okay. torn to yeah this is the a couple of times this has happened to me where I mean to go out and see a game but I'm like ah oh, no I'm not going to for whatever reason that was the first time, I that was either the first or second time the other time was I was trying to get a couple of friends to go to the one game when you were playing Rockland. I was like oh why don't we go we could see him play I'm like oh no I'll we'll go tomorrow it'll be nicer out I was like okay and then I check back to see what happened in the game we didn't go to and it appears that Though the, the Matt Latos incident happened i was like really oh we, boy yeah it's like we missed that one yeah yeah that, that was an interesting year <laughs> yeah that that's that certainly was i uh, i will say that was a catalyst for getting everything going it's like look this is exciting i'm sorry but you, this is something to be <laughs> invested so that was a catalyst in getting all of this going so i mean yeah something positive it came out and of it ball. exactly <laughs> But uh yeah, I do want to just uh, touch on the guys that you picked up or that the team picked up in the, uh, I guess, dispersal draft is uh, what it's called here in uh, Gardowski. And I'm going to mess up the last name. It's Weinberger or Weinberg, right? Th- Sounds good enough. <laughs> okay, I, I I do not remember the second name, but I do remember Gardowski was the first one because when I looked him right. up, I was looking, I was like, oh, wow, this guy's actually pretty good. He's a pretty good player. So I was just wondering uh, what we know on those two players in particular.
3: Yeah, I mean, I know Brooks liked them. I mean, uh, yeah. pitching was, you know, we wanted to find another solid starter and perhaps uh, Zarkowski could be one of those guys. We'll see. Hmm. Um, I mean, obviously... That raises the concern for the experienced player situation
2: mm. because
3: he's an E two. Yeah.
2: Um,
3: but anything could happen. Who knows? Uh, he might be somebody out, or something might happen. Um, I've seen crazier things happen. So um, I definitely think he's a solid starting pitcher, and he could definitely be a part of our rotation. I think. And Weinberger is in a great position because he's a rookie. So if if he's looking good in camp. He's going to be on our roster, so that's those are my thoughts. I'm sure Brooks has similar thoughts as well. Yeah. Both tall guys and uh, who could throw the ball. I mean, uh, I know Weinberger throws from a, a lower slot, not quite sidearm, but a lower th- uh, slot than, than typical. You know, you typically see. And uh, Jason uh, Zardowski has been around for a while as well, so uh, I think those are two good pickups. Um, it was tough to, you know, everyone, every team has certain needs. And I think we did a nice job at selecting those two
0: guys. Oh. Yeah, definitely, definitely there. So um, I'm not sure what Will has left to ask, so I'll let him get on that. And then I just have a few more things to add uh, when Will's all done. So, uh, Will, whatever so, you have left, uh, take it away. So,
1: so, Bill, so Billy, I, have, I just have one more question. So I, I'm an Atlantic guy, so I got to ask you about, uh, about this guy. He's going to be patrolling the outfield uh, in Southern Maryland this year. I'm sure you know him very well. But uh, what can Atlantic League fans and Blue Crab fans uh, in particular expect from David Harris?
3: Yeah, I mean, he... David's a, he's a good player. I mean, he was with us in 2018 with pretty much our best hitter, uh, aside from Dean Green. And uh, he he's a solid player. I mean, he came in here... He batted six for us. Obviously, that, that lineup was stacked, but he was he was hitting bombs left and right. So he's a smaller guy. He's not a big guy, but he's muscular. Like he's a, a shorter, thicker guy with a lot of pop. He's got a lot of pop. So he's going to hit homers. And you might not expect that from him if, if you see him, but he's going to hit some bombs and opposite field ones too I've, I've seen him hit some uh oppo bombs that is line drives that hit the back the black wall at the uh, yogi Berra stadium so uh they're getting a solid player just hope he could stay healthy i know he, he had some uh nagging injuries over the past few years uh, he played in mexico and uh luckily we got him back he was he was hurt he was getting uh he's banged up in the playoffs that year uh during the championship as well but uh um, no you you guys are getting a good player in, in southern maryland uh he's a lot of fun to watch and definitely be a, a good guy to, to watch in the atlantic League i'm excited to see how he does there uh definitely a, a nice fit for him
1: yeah he's a guy i i, I was I've been super high on coming uh coming into the Coming into the 2021 season, so uh, f- figured I figured I would get your thoughts on uh, get your thoughts on Harris. But uh, yeah, I guess Nick, that's it for me. I, I think you said you have a couple more.
0: Yeah, I, I have a couple more. Which uh, the first one, or, which really they're all more kind of just. I'm begging for story questions, really, if anything here. But uh, I was just wondering if there... Because you spend a lot of time with these teams. You obviously know them pretty well. I was just wondering if there's, like, any player that really is a, a character or has personality or there's a good story behind any uh, one player uh, that uh, you've seen in your time with the team. Like, maybe a, maybe something funny or just one where it's just, like, a real... Like, it really sticks out in your mind.
3: Yeah, I mean, there are always... Uh... Some characters throughout the years. Um, but one guy who I have to say brought the most passion and energy to the field every day was Isaac Ren- Wenrick. And he was awesome the second half of the year with us. And just the energy, you could tell, ask Brooks Carey the same thing and he'll tell you how much energy he had and, and how that really like turned, not just not turn things around because we had nice energy in that club ass the whole year, but he brought it up to another level. And I really enjoy being around him. If, if you want to be around somebody and talk to somebody, you know that that person has uh, positive energy and has some type of vibe that he's given off where you want to be around it. And he definitely had that. A lot of guys did too, but he, he's really stood out to me. Uh, another guy who I love is Evan DeLuca too. He was with us for a couple of years and uh, really funny guy. He was with Somerset uh, a few years back. So he's another Atlantic League name, but uh, you now he's uh, he was a fun guy too. Every year you have a a group of characters; some guy stands out over another guy. But I mean, my first year in twenty thirteen as a bat boy, I mean there were a bunch of uh, goofballs in that team as well, and I loved it. I loved it because they were able to kind of like introduce me to everything, and uh, it's it's always fun to to be around those guys because um, you know, the different personalities are always fun to be around. Everyone's different and people impact others in different ways, whether it's through how they communicate personality or, or through watching the work ethic or something like that. So um, overall uh, those two guys, uh, I love those guys, but uh, um, there are always, every player has their unique way of doing things and personality so they each stand out a different way but as far as uh guys who uh who are really enthusiastic uh Wendrick's definitely up there and uh I would say DeLuca on the comedic side
2: yeah uh,
0: definitely there and on that no I do want to kind of bring this in because you did mention that you started with the team in 2013 as a bat boy. So I want to know mm-hmm. how you first got started into this. How does one, you know, kind of go through all this? And obviously you've continued and stayed on with the team and moved up in the team. So I'm kind of curious as cliche as this may sound like, what's your story with this team? How did you get to where you are now where you're working and talking with a lot of former major leaguers? I know you, you do a lot of uh, like tips and how to get better. And I know you've done some work with prospect. daga I know we're, We've had them on before as well, and so I'm just kind of curious, like how you've how your rise has gone here because it's very impressive, I have to say.
3: I appreciate it. It's it's been a great experience. I mean, I was just a typical baseball fan. I mean, yeah. an 11 year old kid who loved the game and playing it and all that, and it really came down to, you know, there was an opportunity to become a bat boy, and yeah. I talked to the front office about it when I was younger. Uh, I believe Vani Ramos we, you know we asked him how I could become a bat boy back in the day and and I just called the office or I sent you know an email or, or a letter or something like that I think uh, and they were looking for bat boys so that's how I got started coming becoming a bat boy it wasn't real difficult
2: yeah.
3: and uh, I was just somebody who loved being around the game and I wanted to learn more and learn from these guys and it was great to be around professionals and I, I like being around professionals uh, because I get to learn how to do things the right way. And I didn't want to learn things through other people, whether they, you know, in, in little league or whatever, or high school, you have certain people who don't know what they're doing. I want to learn from the pros and I wanted to be able to do, you know, play the right way. So I want to stick around those guys a lot. So I was always there when I was younger. And even when I wasn't bat boy, I was still there watching the game. I felt a part of it and, as the years went on, I really just wanted to do more than just uh, get an autograph from a player or take a picture or, or anything like that. So I decided, why not try to interview them? It's something yeah. different, and it's something that I could keep as like a memento and, and have on uh, on video. So that's really how that started. And then that was in 2015, at, two years after I became a bat boy, and yeah. I just really. Uh, uh, continue to do it just start talking to guys and and really there was an opportunity to help the jackals out once they got that video board that year when, when mm-hmm. they uh, sold the team and they were putting uh different uh they're ma- making investments in different spots and especially in the media department they put up that board and they needed, you know help to to put it all together and figure it out and create content so that was my thing i really i wanted to I combined my ability to talk to players that I've been doing since I was 11 and my connection with them and relationship with them and turn it into st- something I could use for the video board and social media and, and my own platform that I have. So um, that was then in 2018, and ever since I've been working in the press box and, and creating different content and, and being involved. And then, of course, since I've grown up there and, and seeing what type of talent is needed. That's when uh, I started to help find players for the team. And once I really started doing that, it was Matt Paget was here. It was after Joe left. Uh, I was old enough to figure out, you know, to try to know what I was talking about. Yeah. And Paget, we talked about we, that's how we got our Charles back. You know, we had, it. I was like, we have his rights. We have his rights Mm -hmm. (laughs) because was going to go somewhere else uh, after he he was in Mexico. So he brought our Charles back and that's when I really started getting involved with that. I was like, this is fun. I want to be a part of this process of finding guys. So then the year after Brooks Carey comes in and the front office, they let him know that I'm able to help find players. So Brooks loved it. And he reached out to me to, um, to help him. He was, he was totally into it and who knows what other managers, they might not have wanted that help. They might just want to do it themselves, but he was open to hearing my thoughts and, and uh, what I had to say and what guys I could bring to him. So um, I started doing that in 2018, found a few guys on that team. Then 2019, I think I found like nine guys uh, or helped yeah. in some yeah. way with, with nine, 10 players. It was, it was really fun. That, that off season was fun to find because I was so hungry then. Because yeah. we lost so much, and it's it's really unfortunate when you lose so much. Yeah, it, it, it burns. It really burns. Every year I was there, we won either in the, we lost in the championship every year, or didn't make the playoffs, or lost in the first round. Da 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 da. Yeah. And I was tired of it. I just wanted to win. That that was the last thing I needed to see was a championship. And yeah. I put a, I put my all into finding guys and. Was able to get in contact with Brendan Butler and and, uh, Conrad, and I wanted to to trade for him and stuff like that. It was just all these different things, and they just all worked out. It just worked out right. And luckily, for you know, you're not always, these things aren't always going to work out. There's a lot of luck involved in different situations. So, um, that was a lot of fun. Uh, and you know, looking back on it, it's just, it's just awesome because. It, you know, I'm not, you're not used to that, you yeah. know, uh, winning and all that and being able to be a young kid helping a team find players and stuff like that is, is pretty cool. Um, and then being able to finally get that ring, uh, last season was really special too. Um, because, you know, it's your hard work paid off and all that. And, uh, that was really special. Another part of this whole thing that is special to me is seeing guys, get signed by affiliates and not just get signed, but make it to the big leagues. And it's really hard, but uh, it was great to see a few guys at big league stadiums who made it from the Jackals. And I got to go and see Tim Abelman, Robert Stock in the big leagues. And it just, it's really special because you know how much hard work they put in and at the lowest point in their career where where guys are on the brink of retiring because they don't know if they could make it or not. And then you're seeing them at Yankee Stadium or or Citizens Bank Park in Philly. That's, it's really special to see that because you know that you're sharing a con, everyone has dreams and goals and to see somebody else uh, achieve that and you were part of, you know, you saw that part of their journey years before. That's really cool to see. So overall, it's, it's been, it's been a lot of fun and the opportunity to be involved in a professional environment is really special
0: yeah it's really just amazing amazing stuff there i mean you, you get to see all the behind the scenes work and i mean it shows sure. that all your hard work is really paying off here because i mean the quality of content you create and obviously the ability to form a roster that you have has paid off in spades i mean it, it's quite clear it's in the results so i mean that that's really just amazing stuff right there
3: I appreciate it. Yeah, it's 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 it's, real, it's a lot of fun. I mean, when yeah. you find a passion, if if you have a passion and you just work towards it, I mean, you're going to have a lot of fun doing it and it's it doesn't feel like work. And yeah. that's that's what's so special. I mean, you guys are doing the same thing. You have a passion yeah. and you're, and you're doing something about it, you yeah. know? You you found something that you like. So, I mean, kudos to you guys as yeah. well because not a lot of people Find that uh, okay. I an ooch like this. And, yeah, uh, that's that's awesome.
0: It it really is. It's something special. So. I, I think on that note, I don't think we could do much better than, than that last answer. So, uh, like we do around here, uh, we like to give like five minutes or so at the end of, uh, end of an interview for our guests to plug anything they want to plug, say anything they want to say, clarify anything they may, they want to clarify, maybe add on to a previous answer. If you have anything like that, uh, the floor is yours to do so now.
3: Well, I appreciate it. I mean, I think, uh, I think I said everything I really had but uh, no I really appreciate you guys having me Uh, you know if you guys the listeners want to check out any of my stuff uh, on pretty much everywhere on social media Billy the Bat Boy Billy the Bat Boys coin on Instagram uh, YouTube and all that so um, you know it's been a great time talking Uh, if you guys need anything let me know and uh, it's almost time for the season almost there I know the Jackals with players report next week other independent teams they've started to report they're leaving uh they're at the airport they're driving it's really fun to see great time of the year yep and uh you see affiliated ball started yesterday so it's 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 all in the air (laughs) i got really excited yesterday so uh yeah go enjoy some baseball and uh i'll see you guys soon
0: All right, again we just want to thank Billy for coming on the show we definitely appreciate it and uh, he was great to talk to a lot of really good information in there I didn't realize how active he was in player procurement either but Sam yeah, yeah. like he really is active in that and like honestly he's pretty good at it I mean Look at the results. Yeah, am no good. I mean, look at the results in the teams he's had a hand in building. And I mean, even this year, I gotta be honest, their squad's shaping up to be pretty good. I've only like started doing a little bit of Frontier League preview work. I mean, we still got like two weeks before we gotta record that. So I mean, it's uh I haven't done too much looking into it, but it is certainly impressive so far. So uh, I I appreciate him coming on. It was it was really good to talk to him and it was a really good interview, I think.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I really did not realize how 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 involved he was with that uh, with baseball operations, and that's awesome. I mean, the Jackals have been have been really good and talented for for, for years now. So uh, that's a testament to him, of course, to uh, Brooks Carey and Scott Eiselhard as as well, who are heavily involved with that, of course, uh, also. Yep. Uh, but as far I mean, as far as the interview, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I was. Particularly interested in his answer, and I'm glad he did give a really good answer about this, about the transition to, uh, from the Canon League to the Frontier League and all the roster rules and how you navigate that as a first year team in a new league that's really, um, a, a whole new world. So, I, I was interested to hear his uh his answer about how they're going about uh trying to find value in those t- in those ten rookies, as every other frontier league team is is looking to do. And usually, the best ones are the ones who can find value uh, out of those rookies. So that 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 was a that was the an answer I was I was impressed with, and that I was uh, really interested to hear from Billy.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely that. And then I do like how uh, when he was talking about the home run off. Uh, you could kind of tell he was not a fan of that no. at, at, all, at all. So You knew
1: that, I wasn't going to let him go without, without I know. giving his opinion. Oh, you
0: yeah, know, I, I was going to ask that question if you weren't. And anyway, as soon as you did, I had my, my mic all the way down. I was like, yeah, good. He got it. He got it. Good. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, that's something people don't realize when we're doing interviews a lot i turn my mic off when will's asking questions talking so that way the noise from my side doesn't oh, get yeah. in here so i
1: do the exact same thing
0: yeah so i start cheerleading answers when he asked the right questions and when i'm like yeah good <laughs> like, i start cheerleading along with this because i just get really into it but yeah. So uh, yeah. Again, uh, we thank Billy for coming on. He's definitely welcome back on the show. Uh, he's a he's a very interesting guy to talk to. So uh, yeah, yeah. For sure. it, was, it
1: was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. So with that, that that's all we got this week. I think we put together a pretty good show. So uh, yeah. we'll definitely go, we'll go to the plugs now, and then if we got anything to add, we'll add that, and we'll get out of here. Uh, if you want to follow the show, you can do so on social media at, uh, Indie Ball Pod on Twitter and on Instagram at ALPB underscore news and IndieBall Report. You can also find everything we talked about today in the show notes that are available on the website, IndieBallReport.com. Uh, there actually will be articles coming up fairly soon, and there is technically a new one up uh that was written about the disposal draft in the frontier league too and all the team previews we're going to be doing uh fairly soon are all going to be comprised into one uh article so be sure to be on the watch for that that is indieballreport.com. you can find everything there including the episodes as well and uh yeah i think that's just about it but you can also subscribe to the show uh wherever you find podcasts tune in stitcher spotify podomatic uh, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, you know wherever you really find shows, you can find them. Uh, on that note, I know I definitely have something to add, and it's going to eat up a lot of clock. So unless you have something yeah. to add, I'm going to steal your time.
1: I want to add this quick thing. Yeah. Uh, so this week was the start of the minor league baseball season. Uh, a lot of fun. Uh, a lot, a lot of great prospects. I've gotten to, I've gone to a game uh, every day since the the minor league season has started, uh, and we'll and we'll do so through Sunday. So that's exciting. Uh, however, I will say I've been to two Somerset Patriot games so far as the Double A affiliate of the New York Yankees. And listen, it's cool that they're the Yankees Double A affiliate. From a fan, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge Red Sox fan, uh, but you know, it's fun. It's fun to watch guys. It's fun to watch prospects like Esteban Florial in Somerset. But it's not the same. It's really not the same, at least from my perspective, because. I went in there for my first game of the season in Somerset on Wednesday, uh, this past Wednesday, and I probably knew like two of the players. And if the manager were to walk by me on the concourse, I wouldn't have an idea. I would have no clue. And the thing is, is the team, those teams are going to be changing so often every year. But, and it's not that I don't love minor league baseball because I do love minor league baseball, but I really, really do miss the, the indie ball. Part of it, I, I'm not blaming the Patriots in any way for the move they made. I understand it. I totally get it. Uh, but at least from a fan perspective, uh, at least, and I know I'm definitely in the minority of the people there, and that's fine. And I know I'm biased. I am a co-host of an indie ball podcast, of course. But I do. It, it definitely is not. Uh, it definitely is not the same. You don't really get the same interactions with the players. Of course, some of that has to do with COVID, uh, and understandably so but you know it, it, it's fun but it's not it, it definitely doesn't have that same vibe to it and i can't wait for um for when indie ball does come back uh, i know the, we we have a uh, indie ball co-hosts uh frontier league game planned for uh planned uh, in the beginning of june so yep. that'll be fun but uh but yeah at least for the patriots it's fun i i love double a baseball don't get me wrong but it's really, it's not the same. It's not the same.
0: Yeah, I there's so much about that I want to tackle, but I know we're short on time, so I'm, I'm going to leave it for now. It, but it's I all did, good. <laughs> yeah, but I definitely, like, I echo that sentiment, and that's why I just can never get into, like, affiliate minor league baseball. Partially knowing they're not trying to win drives me crazy. It's like, you should be trying to win. Unless there's some sort of over like, for a major league team, I understand, like, if you're tanking the build better. That doesn't bother me that much but like on a minor league level it's like you're not tanking you're not trying to get better like there's no yeah there's no reason you should be attempting to lose outside of developing prospects like screw that i'm paying i want to see them try to win so that bothers the yeah. hell out of me and also that kind of like companionship that sense community is like especially from somerset that was kind of like one of the gold standard teams in independent league ball to now have that kind of I don't want to say it's gone because it's still there. I mean, like most of the staff still in place except for on field personnel. But it is weird to not know the players and whatnot because before you knew them, like you may not be best friends with them, but you know, like you, you did know them and they were kind of always there. And Summers kept the same kind of people around, like they kept the core group around. It, I definitely see what you're saying. It, it definitely is it's weird. You know, watching this kind of transformation, and again, I mean, like they made the right decision for them, and I'm not going to fault them for it. But yeah, I I, I echo a lot of that.
1: Um, yeah, so it's it, it, it's it's not the same. But
0: and on that note, I'm going to start my uh my rant here. So there's a lot of background information, but being short on time, I'm not going to go into too much of it. If you want to get really caught up, you could just look up the Rangers rebuild and. All the background information about the people I'm going to talk about. I'll drop some links in the show notes for you to get caught up in the background information if you have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, if you're that interested in really being well informed on the thing, then go for it. If not, you just want to kind of go along with the ramp, then okay, great. We're just going to kind of start at the beginning of this week because that's really the best place to start on this because on Monday, the Rangers were playing the Washington Capitals. And uh, noted cheap shot artist uh, Tom Wilson went ahead and did his cheap shot routine again, you know, punching a defenseless player in the head while he's laying prone on the ice and then proceeding to really judo slam after a hair pull and rabbit punch another player into the ice. And he got a 10-minute game misconduct for this, which is ludicrous because he should have gotten 10 in the game. But, you know, I digress. So that's the first failure here. Naturally, then, you'd assume, okay, well, he's going to be suspended for this because you can't punch someone in the side of the head when they're defenseless, and you certainly can't hair pull and then judo slam somebody else's head into the ice when they're not wearing a helmet. Well naturally the national hockey league disagreed heavily and said five thousand dollars is fine for this whole melee because half of this is just a hockey play although i've never seen at all a hockey play in the 15 years i've been watching hockey uh be pulling someone's hair and slamming them helmetless into the ice and then punching them when they're down and can't defend themselves that's certainly never been any hockey play i've ever seen so the department of player safety has a very interesting definition of what a hockey play is but you know, $5,000 for punching a defenseless player in the side of the head when you're a repeat offender like Tom Wilson is, you know, only, what is it, Uh five suspensions in eight years, I believe it is, so naturally he's a like very clean and honest player if you're getting suspended, you know, seven games earlier this year, 14 games, that was reduced from 20 about a year prior to that, and then a slew of other one and two and three game suspensions, naturally he definitely didn't mean to do that at all that's definitely not part of his routine especially when after all of this before he's given the 10-minute misconduct and told to go to the locker room he starts flexing like a jackass in the penalty box no that's the tom wilson didn't mean to do that that was all just a hockey play so that was tuesday and so right when you think okay well it can't possibly be worse than this well, no, the Rangers decide we're not happy with this either, and rightfully so. And they decide to release a statement that essentially says we disagree heavily with the National Hockey League's ruling on the Tom Wilson situation. We believe he was should have been suspended. We're lucky that neither of our players were injured in this. And now we've lost one of our guys for the rest of the season because they are still injured, just not severely and that, if they would have left at that, they probably wouldn't have been fine because the NHL knows damn well you don't go after your meal ticket teams, which are really Toronto, Montreal, and New York. You, you don't go after them because they bring in the lion's share of revenue. And especially in a year where Canadian teams aren't really bringing in all that much because they're not having fans in the building, New York is really your big money team, especially when they're on the rise, coming out of a rebuild, only about two maybe three years after starting it depending on when you really want to call the start of the rebuild if you want to call it like trade deadline 18 then it's three years if you want to say it didn't start in earnest until the beginning of the 18 season 19 season then it's really been more like two two and a half regardless a high-rising team that's full of young likable stars in manhattan that's a team that's going to be worth more money than already is. Most valuable hockey franchise, by the way, $1.6 billion. So they're not going to do too much on a statement if it was left at we disagree with the ruling, believe it should have been harder because of what happened to our guys. But the Rangers did not leave it there. And in a move that was pretty widely, you know, cheered on by fans and pretty widely panned by executives, and the league certainly despised with a passion as following their their reaction the next day, or not two days later, my mistake. The Rangers added on this little clip to the end of their statement, which said, "We don't believe that George Peros, the head of player safety, is fit for his job as he was derelict in his duty." Which is a pretty hardline stance to take, especially in sport like hockey that's extremely traditional and very much an old boys club. So. That was a very clear shot across the bow of the Rangers calling for George Perros's head. So you had arguably the most influential team going after the head of player safety, which in reality is nothing more than a puppet for the rest of the league because the league determines what player safety can and cannot do at the end of the day. So essentially, it was a veiled shot at Bettman, the commissioner of the National Hockey League. And let's not make any mistake about this. That, that's exactly what that was. So you think, all right, well, this is about as crazy as this situation can get. There's been no real punishment. The Rangers players and coaches are extremely livid at this, as well as clearly the organization now. So we're probably going to see some sort of frontier justice, which the NHL has claimed to try to get out of the game, but clearly it's not actually trying because if they were, they would have suspended Tom Wilson for even one game, which he's really should have gotten more like seven. But, you know, regardless, we go going Wednesday now. And here I am. I We finished the interview with Billy, and it's all well and good. And then I check my phone to see what I missed during the interview. And apparently the Rangers fire their GM and their team president, both of which have been with the team for many years. I will admit team president John Davidson did to kind of do sporadic bits was a goalie with the team in the 70s and 80s then was a broadcaster with the team after that and then left for a while to be a team president in st louis and then in, later in columbus and then came back about two years ago to kind of take his dream job president of the rangers so he's gone for seemingly no reason then the gm who architected this whole rebuild really fast-tracked it because i mean let's be real Anyone that's a fan of sports knows if you get a rebuild done in two at most three years, which is really where we were at, next year is gonna be a playoff year, and the past two years could have very well been a playoff year if not for the pandemic. That's pretty damn quick for a rebuild. Someone even call it a rebuild, they just call it retooling on the fly, although I'd say tearing down a complete team tearing a team down to its boards is a rebuild. But uh, technicalities aside, They're seemingly fired for no reason. Some people are saying it's because they disagree with the statement and try to distance themselves from it, but that's only been one real report. Everything else points to Jim Dolan, the owner of the Rangers, just not being happy with the performance of the team, saying that they should have been in the playoffs and they should be playing tougher. But but there's so much on that that just pisses me off, to be quite honest, because the rebuild was going fine. It was... Ahead of schedule, if anything, at worst case it was on schedule. You cannot be upset that you were told that this was going to be a long process. A long process is five plus years. We've been on on year three at most. At most, we're ahead of where we should be right now. And if you're that annoyed at the team not playing tough, not playing gritty, that's fine. You're the owner. You can tell them get tougher in the off season. Otherwise, it's your job that I'll be taking no one's saying you can't do that. And like I said, no one's saying Dolan can't do what he did. He clearly can. He's the owner of the team. He's allowed to fire whoever the hell he wants, whenever the hell he wants. That's not the issue. The issue is you fired two men that were doing an amazing job for no other reason than they're being petty in the way that they distanced themselves from a statement that they either advised you not to put out because it was going to annoy the old boys club and make their jobs tremendously more difficult and work against the team overall because the league is not going to back down when you call them out like that. If anything, Gary Bettman is known for doubling down and solidifying his stance here, going, I don't care who you are, you're not going to have more power here. The rest of the owners are not going to let one guy, particularly a big market team, particularly the largest market team actually in New York, in Manhattan of all places, have more sway and say over the league than anything else. So uh, I, I honestly don't know how to proceed from here so either it's off of pettiness or it was off of performance which makes no sense whatsoever because even if you weren't happy with it they've done such a great job up to this point that should have bought them an extra year bare minimum one year before a decision like this was made and I understand that Chris Drury is going to be brought in. If you're not a hockey fan, Chris Drury, longtime hockey guy, played in the league, captain of the Rangers, been in part of the organization since I believe 2015, 2014, right around there, I believe is when he joined, and he's been working his way up through. It. And I have no doubt that Chris Drury is going to do a good job. That's not my qualm. I'm. This is not at all in Chris Drury. He honestly has gotten a real, real shit sandwich of a situation to be dealt here because he gets a tremendous job. I mean, this is a great job. He got president and GM of the Rangers. That's tremendous, especially with where they're at. I mean, you're dealing with a full deck here. But the circumstances he got it under, he, he's in a no-win situation. Either it's a bad move and people either go, well, Dolan told him to do it, or look, he shouldn't be in this position right now that he's screwed either way when you get down to it, or if he makes a bad move. And if he makes a right move, like I said, people are going to go, well, Dolan or or Gorton would have done the same thing. Gorton could have done something better. He's not really in a great spot there. So I feel bad for him getting this job under these circumstances, certainly. But all in all, just this isn't even getting to the frontier justice part of Wednesday. Wednesday was just that's crazy. And I... The whole decision i disagree with vehemently i think bare minimum if you were going to make this move it should have been like i said bare minimum one additional year that said before i go crazy because i'm adding a whole extra segment on to just things to add this week to be honest yeah uh then the game starts there's a line brawl to, off the opening face-off because you knew frontier justice was going to come then Tom Wilson steps on the ice about 30 seconds later, he gets a fight. And then there's still another two fights because, you know, Frontier Justice against guys that were either running their mouth, defending the hit, or just they so happened to be there. And the team was not going to take that lying down. Now, of course, the Rangers are a horribly undersized team. They do not play tough at all because they're not designed that way. And the average age of this team is about 23 years old. And anyone that's a veteran or would be a tough player has kind of been taken out line of the lineup at this stage because they're injured uh, so really you have a bunch of fourth line guys that really are not tough guys trying to fight so I admire their efforts on that and I admire the heart shown there and all in all it just it, it's not the game we play frankly I don't love that element of the game anyway it is what it is. And honestly, I'm glad that the game was a shit show. And I'm glad that it was in primetime in a shit show. Because I hope that shows the NHL, when you don't suspend a clown, you get the whole damn circus. And it just, it's ridiculous that he didn't get even one game. Suspending Wilson for even one game prevents this whole chain of events from happening. But the player Department of Player Safety does not care about player safety. They just care about not suspending players. Because the owners don't want their investment suspended. Which is bullshit. And they need to be suspended when they make bad plays. That's what players need to have happen to them. And in the case of Tom Wilson in particular, he's a known offender. He doesn't get the benefit of the doubt anymore. When you've been suspended five times in an eight-year span, sometimes multiple times in a year, and then earlier this year being suspended. And let's not pretend like the couple years where he didn't get suspended, so he's not technically considered a repeat offender anymore, which is bullshit. You don't just get your record wiped clean because you didn't decapitate somebody for two years. And we're just going to forget about the previous seven to five years where you were getting suspensions every other month. Just because for two months you were keeping it clean, or at least clean enough not to get suspended, just get fined for your actions. Like, you don't get bonus points for that, and it wasn't like he wasn't throwing dangerous hits, he still was, just your safety wasn't doing anything. Like, he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt when this is his track record. He knew what he was doing, he should have been suspended, he wasn't suspended, and now we got a shit show on our hands. And that's exactly what it is and so that's been the whole week really there's more i could go into this has ran on too long i hope the show was good that's all i got that's all we got until next time don't forget to play ball